0: york game day with mike tannenbaum matthias kiwanuka and anita marks
1: what's up what's up it is new york game day here at ninety point seven spn it is the division rounds of the playoffs this is where the games get good and they were good last night matthias kiwanuka joins me now hey kiwi how you doing good morning
2: i'm great i'm great how are you doing some great football this weekend so far
1: yeah thank god better than last weekend that's for sure um let's dive into it the first game Bengals 19 to 16 uh you know you and i talked about it earlier in the week i was on the tennessee side Mm -hmm. with all the respect to the Bengals. i don't feel the best team won here uh just ryan Tannehill had a bad day we both know it especially when you get to this point man three interceptions you can't turn the ball over and three times and expect to win unfortunately uh you know Two of those interceptions resulted in six points, two field goals for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, Derrick Henry touched the ball 20 times, rushed for 62 yards, scored a touchdown. Tennessee Titans had nine sacks, Kiwi. Nine! I, oh I my enjoyed- god, what a day! What a night! What a game that have you imagined were you just like looking at awesome. your chops, watching it was awesome. Jeremy it, Simmons, Jeffrey it Simmons? Was,
2: it was it was amazing to watch. I mean, I think um they did some things. They had some plays dialed up, some things that were obviously like schematics and and you know they were stunting they were aligned what I mean there were a couple times when you know they went empty and and they kicked them out there maybe a five and a nine technique and they're crashing down so I mean they had studied they're flying off the ball um constantly it looked like a lot of fun up front and that that's that's part of the problem right it's like especially as a defensive player like you want to believe like you have the ability to change the outcome of the game which you do under most cases but it's it's really hard to overcome bad quarterback play you know as much as you don't want to sit up here and talk about quarterback 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 but it's like, oof, you know, like they they got robbed in a little bit.
1: (laughs) A little bit, a lot. Uh, Now, Joe Burrow (laughs) didn't have any interceptions. I'm sorry. He had no touchdowns, but one interception. Okay. That didn't amount to points for the Tennessee Titans. So they weren't able to capitalize on that really at the end of the day. And and Ty and I were talking about it. Like special teams really was the story of yesterday. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Bengals got destroyed for going out and drafting McPherson I want to say Mm -hmm. he was in the fourth round field goal kicker. He's a rookie from from university of fifth, sorry, fifth round from university of Florida. And he was four for four yesterday. 54 was his longest 52 sealed the deal for them on the season. He had 11 field goals that he made from 50 yards, if not more best record in the history of the NFL. This dude's a rookie. So it just mm-hmm. goes to show you, you know, and I talked about this again earlier in, in the hour, and that is not enough is discussed. Everything's like, oh, offense, defense, offense, defense. Not enough is discussed when it comes to special teams, especially mm-hmm. when you get to this point in the season. I mean, look, you guys won a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Kicking a field yep. goal, you know, your last Super Bowl, kicking a field yep. goal in, 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 uh, in, in Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. it's talk no, it about was, how, how important special made, teams is when you it get to this point made. of the season.
2: Yeah, it was always made very clear to us that that special teams were a big part of um, of the game. You know, Coughlin made it made it a point, and you know, we had um, a great guy, a special teams leader Chase Blackburn, who's down in um, mm-hmm. Carolina, Carolina right now. I you mean, know, they without... let him go.
1: By the way, did they? Yeah, oh, I wow. was really upset to. I know, and and folks might not. Did you know? I'm sure you knew this. Do you know that he was? He's he's a card counter. He's not. Allowed yeah, to yeah, to... yeah, yeah.
2: I know that. Yeah, I knew that when we were out in um. <laughs> When I found ah. that out, in um, we went to London, and, and some guys were going to the casino. He, yeah, he said something about. How I can't, he, wasn't. he said I can't yeah. go.
1: He said I can't yeah. go. I'm, I I count cards. I can't. <laughs>
2: he, but he's, that's but brilliant. That's what I'm saying. Well, he, no, he is brilliant. He, he's very intelligent. And I remember, um, you know, being in meetings with him, like his brain and his his ability to understand, not just understand, but to understand and communicate what was going on. He was a coach on the field for so many guys, you know, like without, without even being tasked with it, he just, he just wanted to get everybody lined up. Right. So um, we had him, we had David Tyree, we had a number of guys who were playing um, significant minutes who are also playing on special teams. Jaquan Williams comes up with that forced fumble, uh, um, you know, out in San Fran, you know, know that that was a big play in the game so it was always made crystal clear to us that you know special teams are a big component um you know it was made sure that you know they were part of the meetings you know and everybody had to pay attention Coughlin wanted everybody to know and understand what was going on on special teams to help provide some of that that peer pressure you know like a lot of these guys are are younger guys and and it's you know you're trying to always Deal with the rotation of guys on offense from defense. You're trying to pull people out of meetings. You're trying to, you know, you know, you're, you're trying to steal some time here and there. But I think Coughlin made a made it a point to make sure that everybody on the team was involved, and if not um, involved directly, they knew what was going on. So there was always a little bit of pressure um, on our special teams unit. When I re- when I found out that you know how poorly um, uh, Green Bay special teams were, I was I was I was shocked. I was surprised. You know, there's
1: there's no denying that. So. Special teams, uh, you know, and, and also, let, let's we got to give negativity where negativity is due, and, and that is bad clock management as well for the Tennessee Titans, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't kick a field goal. They were on the 37-yard line. They had about seven minutes left in the game, and they didn't take a field goal, all right? And then, um, and then they got the ball back with 2.43 left, and they had bad clock management. They only got one playoff before the two-minute warning. Mm -hmm. So it's just really bad all around for the Tennessee Titans. Again, all due respect to the Bengals, I'm thrilled that they've advanced, but the better team didn't advance here. Tennessee is the better team. Head, head, well, offense, defense, Cincinnati Bengals, special teams, obviously. But nonetheless, now the Bengals advance. They wait for the winner of the Bills and the Kansas City uh, Chiefs to find out where they're going to go next. And meanwhile, the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, wow. I was on the 49ers side. I had them plus six. I teased them up to, uh, to plus to uh, plus 12. i aligned line that with the, the Rams. We're going to get into that a little bit later on in the show. But um, Jimmy Garoppolo clutch when he needed to be. His connection with George Kittle. Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I'm just, you know, I had people over last night, we were watching the game, and we were just saying, like, didn't he look like a, a wet mm-hmm. mop? Didn't mm-hmm. he just look like he didn't want to be there? There yeah. was no enthusiasm. There was mm-hmm. no sense of urgency from him. Well, what I mean, listen, and, and I know that, you know, people saw Eli Manning play his entire career and have no idea what Eli's personality is off the football field. I get that. You know, you don't want to read too much into it, but like, I just got the sense that Aaron was off last night. Did did you, did you sense that while you were watching the game?
2: Yeah, I did sense that. Like when we were going through our picks earlier in the week, I was on San Fran side also. And then like later in the week, I drank the Kool-Aid too. I was like, I started, you know, know, listening to the stats and the numbers and and all that kind of stuff. But um, there was, there was something, there was something missing definitely from, from his performance. And I'd said on the other show that you know, there was a lot of noise this entire year coming from him, coming from the quarterback position, which is never a good thing. You know, like he's free to express himself and uh, and to be you know, who he wants to be. But I think it, it takes a certain type of like commitment and focus. Um, and part of it is not creating um, more distractions for your team. During the course of the year, it's just whenever you see that coming from the quarterback position, from the leadership position, or a coaching position type thing, it just it just makes it difficult to believe that somebody's you know going to be able to go out there and perform under every single set of circumstances. I mean, they were getting to him, you know, and, and some some of the looks just weren't there. This was this was a big defensive day, you know, like defenses were were on point, they were dialed in, um, you know, they were you know best threats were were being taken away, and individuals were rushing the passer, and that that sets up, you know, a a lot of different, um, you know, issues for offenses. And, you know, if you're not dialed in 100%, it's easy to kind of, you know, shut it down.
1: So, again, Aaron Rodgers, uh, 225 yards, zero touchdowns, not a typical afternoon or evening, I should say, for Aaron Rodgers. Weather conditions were not good, but we've seen him play great in those weather conditions before. Debo Mm -hmm. Samuel, not 100%. Carried the ball 10 times, rushed for 39. He usually averages around 50 yards a game. But he was coming in and out, obviously uh, suffered some type of injury there. Hopefully uh, him and George Kittle, if you saw George Kittle was limping off the field at the end of the game, they'll be able to rest up and get ready for whomever they face next, whether it's the Bucks or the Rams. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, 11 of 19 for 131 yards. He did have an interception and he had a few a few throws that could have been picked off as well. Uh, That were a little too close for comfort. But again, special teams was the theme of the day. Right. The block punt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as well as um, as well as the blocked field goal for uh, for the Green Bay Packers uh, and uh, against the Green Bay Packers and therefore the 49ers advance by winning 13 to 10. So, um this is uh this is what's happened yesterday, and so we're on tap for two really great games today as well. The Rams going up against the Bucks, takeoff is at three o'clock, the Bills going up against Kansas City, of course, and that's later on this evening at six, six thirty. Um, and uh we will have plenty of time to break those down. But obviously the biggest news here, Jordan uh, Jordan, uh, Kiwi, as you know is uh new general manager for the Giants. Mm-hmm, so we're going to mm-hmm. take a quick break. We're going to come back. Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants, is going to join us here on 98.70 SPN, uh, get us up to speed on the new GM hire and the head coach search as well. So stay tuned for that. We're going to switch gears. I thought it'd be great to get Jordan on right away. We'll open up the phone lines and... Um, and we'll, we'll we'll keep this we'll keep this show running.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Welcome
2: back to New York Game Day on ninety eight point seven ESPN in New York. I am Matthias Kiwanuka for Anita Marks, and later on, uh, Mike Tannenbaum will be joining us. But um, right now, we've got Jordan Renan on the line. Jordan, how you doing? Kiwi, what's going on? How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm still a little sleepy from last night, but I'm I'm making it. How are you? You you made you you yeah, stay up for, You know. <laughs> yeah, we had some great games. Yeah, yeah, some great. Does that does
3: that. 49ers D-line reminds you of some of the old Giants uh, that was the comparison
2: you were hearing
4: yesterday you know both
2: of them well i mean obviously the the comparison was there for the 49ers cuz they're they're playing in Green Bay and you know and i heard that oh they they showed him the the tape of of the Giants going out there and doing it and you know we we had talked um earlier in the week about uh the fact that the, the record doesn't indicate that there's a huge home field advantage for, you know, Green Bay playing at home in, in such cold weather, you know? And, and that's what was pointed out. It's right. like, you know, Every everybody's cold, you know. Just <laughs> deal with it, you know. Figure it out. You know, put that behind you and 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 move on. And I think when you get to this point in the playoffs, these are teams that are all, I mean, seriously focused. You know, they're they're dialed in. It looked like defensively for both games. Tennessee, you know, that defensive front was was all li- they were living in the backfield. You know, um, so it was it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Which
3: is sure. kind of crazy with Green Bay if you think about it, because you you know the Packers you like. That should. It seems like that should be such a home field advantage of you know, have mm-hmm. read Favre into Aaron Rodgers in those conditions in the playoffs, and it really hasn't been. You know, you have seen teams just go in there and you know, take their lunch money. It's just yeah, kind of a kind of not not what you would expect for sure.
2: Yeah, not at all. But let's switch gears. We have a GM okay. in the New York. Um, mm-hmm. What are you hearing? What do you know? Um, what are your expectations? Let's start about well, what do you know about Joe Shane and what are your expectations?
3: Yeah, I know that, you know, we we spoke to Brandon Bean the other day, and what he said was, you know, great communication skills leader. It's it's his right-hand man. And Mm -hmm. what that means is that Joe Shane was there making decisions, including the Josh Allen one, right next to Brandon Bean, as Buffalo went through a transition period kind of similar to what the Giants are going to have to do here, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, year one evaluation year, you know, and sort of get your cap in order and then, you know, re- rebuild almost from the ground up. And, and look what they have in Buffalo. That is a good team. I mean, really good team. I mean, I, I know some people had jumped off the bandwagon. I was telling them, you don't jump off Buffalo. It's either Buffalo <laughs> or Kansas City in the AFC. Those, they, they have the best quarterbacks. Their teams that have good defenses. Uh, that You know, so they've really built a good team from top to bottom in Buffalo. And uh, it's a good blueprint for him to sort of build off, and I think, That's what you're going to see working here now with the Giants is the blueprint that kind of he was uh, part of in Buffalo and uh, do it here in New York. And that could mean finding a new quarterback at some point.
2: I mean, hey, I think everything has to be on the table. I don't think that that there can be any any, you know, one place where you're saying, well, absolutely, we're not going to evaluate this. So that relationship with Bean and and him having been in um, in Buffalo for are you think they're bringing him in here to to carbon copy it? Or do you think he has a different philosophy? Are you, are you is your expectation that he's going to lean on that relationship with Bean and try to recreate what they did? Is that what you're saying?
3: I think in a way like he's going to have to do his own version. I mean, they, they have different guys here, like different players here. Um, he, they didn't have a, like Daniel Jones is a young quarterback. Now we don't know ultimately, you know, if, if he's going to be the answer. Uh, it sounds like Dean would probably like to at least take a look at it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, everything has to be on the table here. Right. So mm-hmm. he has to look at it and say, all right, we're going into this draft we can't be close-minded and say ah no you know we're not taking a quarterback in this draft he has to go scout the draft as if there's the possibility of taking a quarterback he has to look at it and say next year there's a there's a possibility we need a quarterback or hey maybe daniel jones plays so well this year that they say well, we don't we don't need to, we don't need that quarterback maybe we have the guy right here so yeah keeping an open mind is is hundred percent necessary and i think anything is on the table right now. And, and I'll still get to, I'll still say that Brandon Bean might have, that's not Brandon Bean, uh, Joe Shane might Joe have Shane. his ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he might have his ideas at this point, you know, you know, but he hasn't really dug in deep into this yet and he doesn't have a head coach yet. So there's, yeah. we're not even to the point where we're not even to the point to what system are they running? Do we, mm-hmm. like, right, We don't even know that. Mm-hmm. Are they running a three, four or a four, three? So to mm-hmm. sit there and talk about personnel fully, is probably not being honest with the situation. There's still a long way to go here, I think, before we realize, okay, what are they going to have to do completely now? On a surface level, they have things to take care of, like, all right, we got to get healthy with the cap this year. This year they're not in great shape. They'll be fine the following year. So how do they then operate, um, you know, going forward and making sure this team is in good shape going forward, right? You're going to kind of have to take Mm -hmm. it on the chin a little bit this year. Does it does it mean that they can go out and make a move for uh, a big quarterback? I mean, obviously those are discussions that they're going to have. Like if Russell Wilson, and you know, I spoke to someone yesterday, <laughs> and they see they and they see you know from uh, an executive with another team, and they seem to think that Russell Wilson wants to come to New York. Now the question is, does it make sense for the Giants, right? Mm-hmm. And Joe Shane would be silly. Not to at least contemplate it, right? I mean, you got to. Really do you think do you pursue
2: it. that? Do you pursue that prior to getting a head coach? What's what's your order of business?
3: Uh, no, their first order of business right now is getting a coach, uh-huh. right? That's, that's that that that's that's well. First of all, you can't get any. You can't really go and, and make any moves anyway for for you know months. So the first order of business is get a new head coach, which I think you'll probably have because this is going to move quickly. The dominoes are going to start falling around the league uh you're gonna have dan quinn brian flores uh, patrick graham they're all gonna you know talk with, with the giants this week and then uh you know some other teams are gonna start making moves and you know the the dominoes start to fall and the pressure comes you know let's say this is you know i'm just playing complete hypothetical here uh, uh-huh. brian flores gets offered the texan shop uh-huh. but from what i heard he wants he wants the giants like the giants would be his first choice right so uh-huh. then they you know he'll come and be like hey Uh, You know, I was offered this other job. I can't sit around and wait forever. Where are we at in the process? And then that's how things start really moving. So I think once teams actually start hiring the coaches, which probably, there'll probably be a team or two that that this week, I think settle on who their head coach is going to be, right? And there's plenty of teams out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Vikings, the Bears, the Texans. uh, There's a lot of teams out there that that need head coaches. The Dolphins, uh, that... Mm -hmm. You know, we'll know by maybe a week or so. Two who,
2: who, do you, who do you who do who do you like yeah, for the Giants job?
3: I think you have to start with Brian Dable. I mean, that's you know the, the connection to Joe Shane is 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 real, right? And from what I mm-hmm. heard, also Brian Dable had his choice Like, New York, you know, the Giant New York and the Giants would be his first option. So I think you have to start there. You know, it and it's the general manager is truly running the search or driving the search as the Giants you know, say he is? Because, look, let's be honest. This is one of the biggest things that, that they say is changing. We'll have to see how it pans out. But they said that the general manager is driving the search. In mm-hmm. the past with the Giants, ownership has driven the search. They have hired the head coach, right? Mm-hmm. That has been the case. But this is supposed to be a dawn of a new day. Giants general manager candidates were told that they're essentially going to hire the coach, that they're basically going to have car punch to rearrange the organization structurally and get it to the point. And I think that's what you're going to see with Joe Shane is a lot, you know, the coaching staff and the front office is going to be aligned way more than it has in the past. It's always been two separate entities with the Giants. They're not going to be that way anymore from my understanding. And so the natural inclination there is to say, okay, well, Brian Dable makes a ton of sense Then this is a guy who has a pre-existing relationship with Joe Shane. They're on the same page. He obviously has had tremendous success, right? In Buffalo, building up from the ground up, building a quarterback, taking Josh Allen. We also, the growth of Josh Allen has been tremendous, right? Cause the first year, year and a half, maybe even you were like, eh, you know, <laughs> it's a little rocky here. There's, there's some things he needs to work on the, uh, his accuracy is the problem and look at josh allen now man the guy is just a beast
2: i mean he is yeah i mean he had had close to a perfect game yeah he's definitely he's definitely um catapulted himself to the top yeah you gotta gotta give him a lot of credit um yeah and i I think you know that goes to you know his his own time work and preparation he's put in but you got to give credit to you know coaching staff and and to um you know to those guys in the front office who are assembling that team. you know, it, it starts at the top. So, I mean, if that's that in mind and and that being the goal, what are your expectations for the Giants next next year? If everything works out, we get the head coach that that fits this team. Um, what like? What do you think are reasonable expectations? What I'm trying to get at is, you know, New York yeah. media is, is tough, right? Like New York fans are tough. Um, but one thing I was saying before is what are the expectations set? How long are we going to extend this leash? Okay. We have a, we have a GM now, you know, what are we expecting, um, for him to do in year one?
3: I think year one needs to be looked at as an evaluation year. And right? mm-hmm. that's kind of what they did in Buffalo. You, you, like, the, first of all, you don't want them to try and slap it together. The goal shouldn't be okay. Let's, let's go at all costs and win as many games as possible right like that shouldn't be the goal in the offseason the goal should be how do we build a long-term winner here like how do we get there what's the best route to get there and how quickly can we get there right and to you know if you are trying to fly when you have a new head coach and a new general manager even in New York I think you'll get some leeway right so I, I don't think the expectation should be that you know they have to make the playoffs next year that that, that to me that's unrealistic like that that's not what if you if that's the expectation, you know, <laughs> what with with, with the with Giants ownership is hoping from from Joe Shane, then they haven't learned anything, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be a process. They're not like okay, a few little tweaks here and there, and we're on the verge of winning. No, no, they thought that this past off season, right? That's what that's the way they kind of operate. Well, we just need a few. You know, we need we need Kenny Galladay off injury, Adoree Jackson off injury, Kyle Rudolph who's injured. You know, like that's a, mm-hmm. a, that was a, a silly a silly way to operate, and uh, I I that is not going to be the approach here with Joe Shane. He took this job with the intention of building long term.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to prepare myself and you know prepare everybody that's listening because it, it is gonna it is a process. It, you know, it is going to take some time. It's still gonna um, you know there's still a lot of growing pains and a lot of the tough decisions that that need to be made. Um, but you know, I, I believe we can. We can hang our hat on, on you know a few things. We do have talent. There there are there are talented individuals on that roster and you know the work ethic is there. So they're not um, bare bone,
3: yeah. They're not they're yeah. not there like you know, so you know, like some some teams like where they say, Oh, we have to start completely from scratch, but mm-hmm. they have some major, major holes to fill that aren't just gonna happen overnight and they still have questions at some really, really key positions, namely quarterback.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you can you can figure that out, then you can figure figure a whole lot of stuff out after that. I mean, I don't think you I mean, know. Look
3: look at the look at the playoffs right now. Look at the playoffs right now. I mean, look at these teams that are still playing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, you you have Joe Burrow, you have uh, you had it had Aaron Rodgers. It didn't work out for him. You know, Garoppolo, Tannehill, Brady. Garoppolo, but yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Brady, today, is us look at the quarterbacks playing today. Tom Brady, great Tom, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's pretty simple when you look at this to say, you know, if I really want to have a chance to compete with at that level, like we need one of those mm-hmm. guys. We have to I... find a way to get one of those guys. Otherwise, your your room for error is so, so slim. And look at the 49ers. Like, they're there. But remember, mm-hmm. they need it until the final week of the season to get into the playoffs, right? They yep. needed the, the Packers special teams to collapse to win yesterday because their quarterback play isn't quite at the level of these other teams that we're mentioning.
2: Yeah, I get it. I mean, there's a, there's a few things a few positions that can take over the game, you know, especially as a, as a defensive lineman. You you have that ability, you have that that, you know, the opportunity to take over the, the game. Um but it's really hard. We saw it in Tennessee. Like it's really hard to overcome bad quarterback play. And that was something that was was preached to us, you know, in in New York. And I think I've told the story before, you know, we're out practice and we're we're messing around and, you know, trying to get as close to Eli as we can. And, um, you know, Coughlin comes out and rips us a new one. And normally, you know, your 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 coordinator aligns with them and your position coach will tell you the truth. If you're you know, if you deserve to be yelled at or whatnot, we got into our position room meeting and we got ripped a new one because, you know, he had been. Uh, Wolf had been on teams where the quarterback wasn't good. And he right. said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are in this room. If you have a bad quarterback, you know, everybody's going to be looking for a job. He's like, so do not get that guy hurt. So the the importance, the importance right. is there. It's not just for, you know, for me, it's easy for everybody to point the finger and point the finger you know, at the quarterback, but you know, it, it's real, you know, without good quarterback, but it, you just don't really have a shot at, at, you know, at winning the big one, at least somebody who can manage the game. That's something that I would like to see. It's
3: funny. It's funny because with coaches too, it's the same thing. It's like you know, if you want to be successful as a coach, you better better have a quarterback. Or if you want to be <laughs> successful as an offensive coordinator, you better have a quarterback, or your career is going to go in the wrong direction.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, speaking, I mean, speaking of quarterbacks, you know, we talked. You mentioned it a little bit, um, Russell Wilson. Um, you know, potentially, you know, come to New York. Is, it's still a um, a sought after, you know job opportunity coaching wise what do you what do you think about for for quarterbacks out there anybody who is who's willing to or um step into this situation
3: uh I mean it's interesting because the Aaron Rodgers thing is now going to go on uh, now mm-hmm. I can't see that making sense for the Giants right and uh, we talked about Joe Shane trying to build long term that doesn't make sense to you know Aaron Rodgers for as great as he is is getting towards the end of his career right so uh, the Giants aren't on the verge, and why would that make sense for Aaron Rodgers unless he just totally wanted to live in New York? Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, is the interesting one, the one that you have to keep an eye on here, especially if, you know, that he really does want to come here. Like, you know, if he wants to come here, he ultimately can direct that move to New York. Uh, now, there's some great big factors that come into it, namely, the Seahawks aren't just going to give him away. So mm-hmm. does it make sense for the Giants with the cost? The, you know, and, and that's what we talked about before. They're going to have to look at that. Uh, right. And that's something that um, Joe Shane is going to have to go over. Okay. What are the pros and cons? What would the cost be? Would it fit our long-term goals? Would it fit us you know, salary-wise? And then there's the Deshaun Watson one. Now there's a lot of unknowns with the mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson side. Right. But. Brian yeah, Flores, I don't I don't, I don't I
2: don't I don't see the Deshaun Watson thing happening in New York I feel like I don't either yeah
3: but if 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 Brian Flores gets hired as coach and he's open to it is oh. is it not a conversation that you at least need to have
2: well we just talked about it right you have to give the GM and the coach some control so if if uh Shane and ends up bringing in Brian Flores and together they decide that they want to go get Deshaun then I mean we said it right that they said that they're going to give yeah. um some they're going to give control but I to agree uh, with you. yeah
3: but i agree with you you know like at the end of the day ownership has to especially on that, is going to have to sign off on that and mm-hmm. i don't see that i can't mm-hmm. i can't imagine ownership here signing off on that move like that you know there's there's too many uh it's, it's it's too many unknowns too many question marks and and you know the firestorm that would likely come with that here in this market uh-huh. i don't think is something that giants and their ownership would be willing to entertain so yeah, I'm, with I'm with <laughs> you on that wouldn't, you, wouldn't wouldn't you be foolish wouldn't it be silly of you as an organization to not even discuss it right you, you have to you, you know have to discuss everything yeah
2: That's that's what um, you know. Mike Tonnenbaum who's coming on the show later on, he said you have to scour. You know, you have to uh, you know turn over every single rock. And I and I honestly believe that. You know, you have to go into um, go into it with an open mind, and you have to discuss everything. I just you know I just think that you know there's 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 a there's a lot to uh, to investigate there. Let's um before we get out of here, let's let's switch gears to to, you have to investigate drafting a quarterback too. I mean, you
3: absolutely should at least look into it if 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 Joe Shane is sitting there and thinks, you know, he's looking at and at the scouting tape and he thinks this, you know, I'm picking a name, Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis is his Josh Allen, you know, you mm-hmm. you have to consider that an option, uh, mm-hmm. a thousand percent. If he wants yeah. to, if he looks at next year's draft and says, look, C.J. Stroud and uh, Bryce Young and you know that's supposed to be a good draft, let's let's move our draft capital into the following year. That's on the, that should be on the table too
2: absolutely that's a good option apparently. let's let's switch gears to um to today's games. Bill's chiefs, who you got?
3: I've been on the bills bandwagon and I remember how they they lost that game to the Patriots when mm-hmm. doing them through what was it three three passes and I mm-hmm. was on the national radio and I was sitting there telling everyone, don't give up on the bills like this is this team is legit good. Because they lost a, a crazy game. It was a wild game. They really couldn't throw the ball. Um, and actually, hit it. Their worst loss. They lost to Jacksonville. which was a crazy loss for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm, that that Bills team is legit. I mean, I really think that they can go in there. I'm picking them to win. It's against everything I stand for usually because I'm uh, Patrick Mahomes. Like I, I usually, I, I'm usually sitting there like I never want to bet against Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think he, he's that good. I think I saw. Well, his numbers were something like at home in the playoffs is like twenty touchdowns to one interception or thirty or something crazy like that. And mm-hmm. it's like I'm I, I'm not really stupid enough to bet against that. And <laughs> I, the answer is, I guess the answer is yes.
2: Because I mean, honestly, I think I think honestly, you could state like, a case. You can state a case in, in either direction. I really, at this point, I'm asking people just to just to hear what their evaluation process is because it it could go either way. The line is, is close for a reason. Uh, what about the other game, Rams Bucks? I, I just
3: think the Bills the Bills are the Bills are that good. I mean, like they have they have they have pretty much everything. You know, they they mm-hmm. they have their defense is legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Like they can they can rush the passer and they're good on the back end. I mean, they have that quarterback. Their their weapons are really good. Uh, their offensive line has played pretty well. They they don't necessarily try and run the ball very often, uh, but you know just do it enough. Uh, so I, I think they can go. This, to me, this is the this is the AFC championship game. Like, whoever wins this game that. is going to the Super Bowl.
2: I can see that. I can see like, that. There's,
3: there's no there's no there's no doubt in my mind like, whoever wins this game is going to the Super Bowl
2: and a chance to beat the Super Bowl champs. What about Bucks Rams?
3: The Bucks are beat up. They're really beat yeah. up. I'm, I'm very concerned about the Bucks. Uh I, I I like, I've, I've also, the, my two teams, my, my beginning of the year, I'll, I'll also tell you this, so you know, I'm, I'm a little slanted here. My mm-hmm. beginning of the year was Rams, Bills, in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I never liked it. I never liked to get off my picks, even though my eyes told me
5: otherwise.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and a little, point, a little stubborn. The, the Rams have told me, the Rams have told me otherwise to get off it at times this year. Mm-hmm. I, but I just haven't, I haven't, I really haven't wanted to do it, but I mean, this, this is a good opportunity for them to pull this upset. So, like if, if you told me that the Bucks were healthy, if their line was healthy, I mean, Tristan Wirfs, who's their star right tackle, yeah, he, you know, who knows if he could play and for how long. And when you, you the backup went in the other day, I mm-hmm. mean, you saw the difference. He, he was just getting pushed around and all of a sudden Brady was under ridiculous pressure and their center, who's a stud, by the way, Ryan Jensen, one of mm-hmm. the best centers in the league. He's also injured.
5: Yep. Now you
3: add that with Leonard Fournette is coming back, but he's off injury. They're missing, you know, uh Chris Godwin's out. Um some uh-huh. Perryman's even out. Antonio Brown, we know what happened there. I mean, this team is offensively like they're gonna need their defense to carry them. And I don't I don't
4: think that I think I think you hit it, you hit the it level right on the hands.
2: Yeah, I think you hit it right yeah. on the head. And I'm, I'm, I was, I was on the Rams. I wasn't on the Rams all year long, but watching the way that you know the body language and the way with which they played towards the end of the season, um, you know, I, I started to to lean towards them, and I'm definitely picking them. They're my Super Bowl pick, um, and just for that reason alone, but you know, like in this game, the, the in this game, maker
3: is if if Stafford decides, you know, turns the ball over a bunch. of times.
2: That's true. Like, that's true. That's
3: the, that's true. <laughs> that's that's the wild card you worried about. He that is he, the he can't do that. That'll that'll do them in, and they gotta <laughs> avoid that.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
1: That's right. It is New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Mike Tannenbaum joins us at uh, at 10 a.m. That's for sure. I'm excited to talk to him, uh, Kiwi, because of his mm-hmm. connection of course with Joe Shane and uh and uh, you know b- before we dive into I, I want to give you my opinion in regard to the new GM hire and, and and where I think they should go at head coach but I'm curious based after your discussion with uh with Jordan Renan uh what what are your thoughts in regard to the new hire of Joe Shane and and I know I know you you have some connections with some general managers and executives in and around the NFL so uh just as as curious to get your thoughts on the matter
2: yeah i guess um you know, my my biggest question, I guess, was, you know, what are the expectations? You know, this is New York. We all know that, you know, it's, it's, you get, you get a, a short leash out here, you know, so I, I want to know, like, what are the expectations um, going in? Um, I'm very interested in hearing what Mike's perspective is and, and uh, what he knows about him and, and sharing what he thinks his vision is, is going to be like. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of holes, a lot of things that, that need to be fixed. And I'm just ready for him to, to get to work. And, you know, I'd like to know, like, you know, how is he going to do that? What is his what is his approach going to be? You know, what is what are the first things that he's going to fix? What are the first things he's going to tackle? Who's going to be you know calling the plays? What kind of offense is this going to be? How are we going to fix that offensive line? You know, um, so there are a lot, a lot of questions, but you know, I'm excited. I'm glad that, you know, they went through the process um, and um, you know I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, so everything I've heard about Joe Shane has been terrific. Of course, what we just heard from Jordan Renan, um, you are very dear friends with Cynthia Freeland, a very dear Mm -hmm. friend of mine. She's on with me each and every Saturday. She's uh, very connected into the Buffalo Bills organization because she worked for them this past year and Mm -hmm. knows Joe Shane extremely well. She was on with us yesterday and had nothing but rave reviews. Phenomenal things to say about Joe Shane. And also very good friend of mine, we've had him on the show, uh, Vic Carucci, who's part of the uh, Buffalo Bills uh, broadcast team, was a part of the show uh, with us uh, not too long ago. But I texted him as well as soon as the news broke that Joe Shane would, was going to be the new general manager. This is the the text he sent back to me. I think Joe's a really good hire, solid person, worked his way up from the bottom with Carolina. Smart has a good vision, learned well from a bunch of people, but especially Bean and McDermott. Good communicator, and all those things are great. But for him to end with good communicator, I, I think is I, I think I think lack of communication is 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 one of the most negative things I think when you know somebody who's a great communicator. Uh, to me that's that's it's it's got to be really high up there in regard to the boxes you want to check when it mm-hmm. comes to hiring not just a general manager but but anyone because mm-hmm. you know when it comes to general managers their relationship around the league is really important especially if they want to try to negotiate a deal with another team for a player mm-hmm. or they want to negotiate a team a, a deal to for during the draft to to trade you know you want to be able to call somebody you want to be a good communicator you want people to like you mm-hmm. so that you know, you can negotiate, you know, it's always better when you negotiate with somebody you like, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and they that's and, and people I don't remember I don't think enough I don't think feel. enough is is discussed about that. You know, it's not talked about enough, you know?
2: Yeah. They like say like people always remember um how you make them feel. You know, you've been around the league, but well, he's been around the league for, you know, you know, 18 something years. You know, he's Obviously, had a lot of relationships, but um, you know, if, if people who are close to him and people who, who know him are saying, you know, these these good things about him, it bodes well. You know, we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. But you're you're absolutely right. Being able to communicate is is of the utmost importance, especially in the NFL. You can have all the answers, you can know everything in your head um, as a coach, but if you can't communicate that to your players, you know, it's almost as if the the information doesn't even exist. And I believe it's probably the same from general manager to to coaching staff as well. Mm-hmm.
1: So so now, you know, the Giants have the general manager in place. And here's another thing, and you and I have talked about this uh, before on the show, Matthias, and that is how the organization is structured. And, and what I mean by that is when you, look, when you look around the league and you look at teams who hire a general manager one year and then fire a, a head coach the next and then go out and hire a head coach a year later – it's, it's there's a disconnect because a general manager might have a different philosophy than the head coach that the team is brought in and the scouting department then has a different philosophy. When you look around the league and you look at teams that have success, there is a cohesive uh, thread from top to bottom. And everything that I'm hearing is that Joe Sheen is going to have carte blanche in regards to how he's going to move forward and progress where he's going to pick his head coach. That head coach is going to come in and one would assume of course if he's choosing the head coach and the organization isn't the, the, the general manager is they're going to be on the same page in regard to organizational culture, philosophy, team identity, what type of offense they want to run, what type of defense they want to run, who they're going to hire as coordinators, who they're going to hire as coaches, and what their scouting department so important, what their scouting department is going to entail so that the, that scouting department knows what the identity is and can go out and, and draft, let alone, you know, look at free agents that are going to best suit the offense and defense that they're running. And I, I'd love for you to elaborate on this. There's so many teams out there, Matthias, that they have one philosophy on offense. They run a certain style of offense. But the horses they have on their stable, the, whether it's the ride receivers or, or the style of running back, doesn't fit the offense that they're playing. And it and it's and it's it's unbelievable because it's more times than not. So if you have a general manager and a head coach and everybody's on the same page all the way down to your scouting department, mm-hmm. then then there's a cohesiveness that allows you to win in the NFL and it it blows my mind, Kiwi, that there is more teams that don't align properly than do.
2: Yeah, I think um it's 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 extremely important. I'm trying to trying to think of a way to say it when when you have a vision right so if, if the vision is coming from the head coach then the head coach needs to have control over who is, is who he's putting on the field and what system that they're running if you have the general manager who has a vision you know then he needs to have those that decision making power and he needs to communicate that to the head coach and that means he needs to have a head coach who can change You know, and adapt to his his specific vision. If you have both men coming in, men or women, both people coming in at the same time, um, sharing a vision, then it just makes everything a little bit more easy. Now, when you're going in and you know trying to put things together, you're not having to explain the why. Why would you choose this player over another player, even though this one may be um, a little bit more you know attractive attractive in terms of their statistics or whatever, because he doesn't fit in the system. So what I like about this is that there's hundred percent accountability from the very beginning. You know, there's not going to be any excuses. It's not going to be, Oh, well, you know, he inherited this, this coach or he inherited this and ownership is saying the right things, you know, saying that they're going to give him control. They're going to give him full support. Um, so that's, that. the only thing left for me is like, well, what are the expectations? You know, like what, what are we expecting to, to have done? Um, not just in the first year, but you know, in, in the first you know couple of years, um, and then, you know, and then, and then, you know, moving forward, it just, it just has to be, it has to be the right fit. You know, you got to get the players who can play in the system. You know, you got, you gotta, we, we, every week we're watching guys who came through the Giants, Eli Apple at the end of the game, making, you know, making a great play. You know, we're watching guys who came through the Giants organization, went on to other places, you know, and, and are performing at a high level. So they have to be coached correctly. And the, um, the vision has to be in line from every step.
1: Just, I want to share this this quick story with you. Before we go to break, we'll come back. I know there's quite a few people who want to jump on. Ira and Staten Island, hang tight, you'll be first up. 800-919-3776. So, um, so prior to me coming to New York, I was in Baltimore and I, I covered the uh, the Ravens for four years while I was down there. And, you know, got to know the organization, know Steve Bashadi, the owner in the organization, you know, uh, Ozzie Newsom, and I got to know them really well. Their their organizational culture was Ozzy Newsom had the final say. It didn't matter. It didn't matter who Steve Bisciotti wanted. At the end of the day, it was Ozzy's decision. And uh, and the, the way that they would do things would be like so. For example, when they were getting ready and they were preparing for a draft, uh, they would have a wide receiver come in. Uh, remember Hayward Bay. Perfect mm. example. Uh, so they have Hayward Bay come in. I was actually, um, I was having dinner, not to name drop, but I'm just sharing the story with you. So I was having dinner with uh, Joe Flacco and a few of the coaches at one point, And all of them said, hey, listen, we've got to go. We've got to go to the facility. Hayward Bay was coming in for a workout. And so Harbs text all the coaches and Joe Flacco. And they left to go back to the facility because... Harbs, they wanted them there for the workout. So Joe's throwing the ball, the ball to Hayward Bay. Wide receiver coach is there. Cam Cameron was the, offensive, was the offensive coordinator. Hugh Jackson was the quarterback coach. So they were all there for the workout. When the workout was over, they all went into um, a, uh, a conference room, and they talked about the workout. Joe, what do you think? Okay, Cam. What, how do you, how do you feel you could utilize him in your offense? How do you think, how do you feel that you could utilize, like, what kind of role would he play in your offense? Okay, where would we draft him on the board? As opposed to, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying one way is right, one way is wrong. I'm just showing you the difference. I'm at the Giants and remember when I was at the Giants, my office was the my office was the cafeteria. I'd have that ba- remember yeah. I'd have that yeah. back seat in in the, in, in the back of the cafeteria in the corner in the back of the cafeteria because I didn't have an mm-hmm. office. Anyway, so uh so I I became very good friends with Kevin Gilbride. Whenever Kilbride would come into the office, uh, in, into my office, into the cafeteria, he would sit down, and we would chat it up. So one day I'm in there and you and, and the Giants bring in a slew of wide receivers. Stoke Stokely uh, Hushmanzada I mean they brought in like for, for a workout one day and so I text Kev and I said I said Kev I said wow you're gonna be busy today you got like six wide receivers here he texted me back he said what are you talking about mm. I said That's... what am I talking about I said <laughs> I'm in the lunchroom I just saw TJ Hushmanzada here Stokely's here uh, the list goes on and on you've got like six or seven wide receivers they're going into you know the uh, you know the the dome to go work out and he's, and he came right down. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. So Kevin wasn't Kevin's your offensive coordinator. Kevin wasn't invited to that workout so he could sit there and, in and, and ch- so again, like, and maybe that's the way Jerry Reese did it. It's the way Jerry Reese did it. I, I'm yeah. not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sharing, I'm sharing two different styles. And the Giants have won more Super Bowls than the Ravens. So mm. I'm not saying, again, that one's right, one's wrong. I'm just sharing an experience with you, knowing both organizations, knowing how both organizations work. And for me, Kiwi, I'd rather do it the Ravens style, where mm. everybody has a say, everybody has input. But at the end of the day, it mm. was Ozzie Newsom's decision right but like
2: somebody somebody has to take the leadership role somebody has to be responsible and take um uh you know responsibility for the decision being made but yeah when everybody has input i feel like that's that's a much better way to do it at this level you know there's 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 always you can always benefit from having another set of eyes but like you said yeah as long as as long as there is somebody who's tasked and and everybody understands okay this is a person taking responsibility for it then yeah I, i believe it should be a collaborative thing you should have you know everybody in there um giving their input and their opinion and being able to create that vision together.
0: New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks.
1: Good morning, Mike. How you doing?
2: Doing great guys. How are you? Good morning. Doing good. Good.
1: Good morning. Good morning. All right, let's dive right into it. Joe Shane, new general manager of the Giants. I know you know him well, break it down for us and all the Giants fans that are listening right now, Mike.
5: Yeah. Great to be with you guys. Uh, Yeah. I had a chance to overlap with uh, Joe for a period of time in Miami um, he was there and then uh, I got there and he went on to, uh, to, to the bills. Uh, Joe's a good evaluator, good report writer. Um, you know, he has certainly you know worked his way uh, up the ranks. You know, the big variable for anybody taking the seat guys is um, that is a obviously meaningful part of the job, but it's such a small part of running an organization. I can just tell you from firsthand experiences, you know, I was the assistant GM of the jets for five years and in, in the building where I became GM. And, you know, now the job is about, hiring the right coach, hiring the right mental health expert, hiring the right nutritionist, hiring the right video person, uh, looking at the training staff that's been there for a long, long time. Um, all those things are really what the job is. And then people come in and they have thoughts, ideas, concerns, goals, securities. and your job is to scale leadership. And, uh, you know, it's a, obviously an opportunity he's earned and, you um, I know for me, it took me about a year and a half to really understand, you know, all the nuances of the job.
2: How how much of um, that vision goes into the decision to hire a GM? So when you're when you're interviewing GMs or when you were interviewing for the GM job, did it come up a lot about you know who you were going to try to bring in, and, and is that an important part of the decision making process for ownership?
5: You know, Kiwi, that's a great question, and that's why you see such failure when people become GMs or head coaches. You know, from a head coach perspective just because somebody could scheme up a red zone pattern or a great blitz doesn't mean they understand how to, you know, teach to somebody who has a learning disability or, you know, talk to the backup left tackle who just lost a loved one or try mm-hmm. to convince a practice squad player to stay or, you know, understand the salary cap and strategic planning and make sure every agent thinks that they're the most important agent in the world. you got to deal with them over and over again. Um, and that's not o'clock at night and, you know, you're moving and you haven't worked out in a week and you feel like crap and you haven't looked at, you know, the five quarterbacks that you have to evaluate for the draft. <laughs> that's, that's the job. <laughs> and, you know, oh, and I, I've said this before, I think over time I became a much better person at interviewing. Um, I hired more than one psychologist to help me do that. Be it when we've hired head coaches, GMs, players. And I think the key is, you know, if we were, the three of us were hiring a head coach or a GM, one of the questions I would ask is, I've said this before, you know, tell me the time you've walked into a meeting and somebody changed your mind. And if you're a GM, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that may be why you're successful or not is when the West Coast scout who has the least experience is standing on the table for the third receiver at USC. And he knows that school intimately, but the wide receiver coach doesn't like him. The wide receiver coach may be a really good coach, but he's a terrible evaluator but the head coach hired his buddy who's the wide receiver coach. Now, is the GM going to listen to the West Coast scout who really has great contacts at USC, or is he going to defer the head coach who's going to defer to his buddy who's really not a good evaluator? And that's actually really what happens in these meetings, and the ability to be a strong leader and have a great process is oftentimes the reason an organization makes it or doesn't.
2: Is, is Shane going to have you know, the ability to to control who's evaluating or who, who's who's – Like how much control is he going to have over who's in the building, giving him his, uh, their opinions?
5: Well, I'm sure that he'll have the say to put his staff together. I mean, that's usually typical, but it's, it's really more about then holding those people accountable. And a lot of times it comes down. And I've said this to coaches for 25 years running draft meetings, you know, you earn the right to participate. You know, some, some people come in with really detailed reports that are well-written, thoroughly researched. And then there's others that just kind of, you know, call a couple of buddies in college and say, hey, can the player not play or not play or not? And that's where, you know, that'll be part of Joe Shane's learning curve is again, to be able to understand that the youngest person in the room may have the best information. And I worked for Bill Belichick. I've worked for Bill Parcells and at 26 years old, I knew that my opinion mattered. Now I was scared to death. So when I went into those rooms and meetings and I knew like, these were the formative years of my career, my information was really thorough and what are their superpowers? And if you look at the people that have worked for them, they'll give responsibility to young people if it's earned. And it's sometimes that's a difficult thing to do, guys. Uh,
1: you know, you, you hit on something here. And, and me, in full disclosure, you know, working for the Giants organization as long as I did and, and established some really good relationships there and knowing how their inner workings operate. Uh, you know, their system in regard to evaluating players, um, you know, everybody has a different system, right? Uh, and whoever opinion, you know, whether it's the, you know, red, red, blue, purple system, whether it's, you know, a number system, whatever the case, you know, at the end of the day, there needs to be a clear person who at the end of the day makes that final decision. And for the giants, it hasn't always been the general manager you know, how important, you know, how important do you think that's going to be for Joe Shane, you know, for the, for the Ravens, we know it was, I, I, I can speak from experience that, you know, especially with Ozzie Newsome. And then of course, Eric coming in and taking over, you know, Steve Bashotti might have an opinion and, and a, a very strong opinion about a player, but at the end of the day, he allows his general manager to make the final decision. Can't always say that's, that's, that's the situation that we've seen happen with the Giants. How important is that, 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 that is what is created if you're because what I'm hearing is carte blanche, Mike, carte blanche in regard to uh, Shane, uh, Joe Shane and, and, and his in and what power he's going to have at making decisions, whether it's the draft or free agency with that organization.
5: Yeah, you know, Anita, you are bring up so many interesting points. Uh, I'll just tell you about my firsthand experiences, guys. I'll bring you behind the curtain for seven years at the New York Jets. I had final say on everything who to hire, fire staff budgets roster and to this day I'm very close with Eric Mangini Rex Ryan have like meaningful relationships with them and I think part of it was I wasn't going to bring in a player that we had a disagreement on um just cuz I had final say you know one of the say, one of the signs we had up was in God we trust for everybody else we need data and what we <laughs> mean by that was like when we had a disagreement hey we Matthias Kiwanuka, is he a good scheme fit I don't know, can he stand up, can he drop, can he play, you know, certain zones, can he play man-to-man, can he cover a running back on a wheel route, and if we disagree, let's go watch more tape, or if we disagree on what to pay a player, let, let's look at what we can't do, and I always kind of define my job to be the more of, like, the point guard of information, and let the data and the process lead us to the right decision, because Joe Shane will struggle, any GM will struggle if he says, well, you know, I've earned it, I have final say, and this is what we're doing, If the head coach disagrees, that player more times than not won't be successful. So sometimes like being the GM is a little bit more of art than science. And it's really about, in my case, I always would fall back on information to help us make the best decision, not sit there and say like, I have final say. And I've seen it where I've had final say as a GM, not, I've seen head coaches have it. Some could handle it. Some couldn't. Um, every situation is going to be different, but what's much more important to me is organizational alignment. And for us, if the three of us were running a team, like do we have an environment where we could disagree, do it respectfully. And again, then let's fall back on the tape or whatever other information we need. So we can make the best decision.
2: Which comes first or which is more important? Is it the, um, the talent of the player or how well they fit into the system?
5: Oh, I think without question, you know, this was coach Belichick 101. If you would sit in his defensive meeting, his scouting meetings, it would go right into his, uh, what you see on the field. So it was always about the vision. So, you know, you take a guy like Patrick Chung, could he play man-to-man the slot? And then all of a sudden, look, Patrick Chung for eight, nine years, he's playing man-to-man the slot. So as a scout and you're 26 years old and you're writing a report and Bill Belichick is asking you incredibly detailed questions, but that's going to translate to drafting the player and his role. And that's why, He's been so successful for so long because his vision for what they want is translated from a report to on the field. And that's what, to me, like, and again, Anita, I know there's a lot out there of like, well, do the giants have an antiquated scouting system or scouting department? And look, I think things always change and evolve and that's fine. But I think what's much more fundamental is that there's like effective communication to say, like, if we draft a player, if we acquire a player, exactly how is he going to fit into whatever scheme we're talking about
0: new york game day with mike tannenbaum matthias kiwanuka and anita marks
1: matthias kiwanuka and of course mike tannenbaum mike let's go to you matthias and i have been talking about this for about the the last two and a half hours now um the changes with the giants uh now that they have their head coach in place i mean that they have their general manager in place it's now time to figure out who the head coach is going to be dable and uh and um uh, Frazier, of course, they got their interviews in on Friday and Saturday because the Bills are still alive in the postseason. I'm hearing Brian Flores. Uh, Kiwi's hearing some some noise about Brian Flores as well. Dan Quinn's name has been thrown in there. What are you hearing in regard to this head coaching search right now?
5: Uh, you know, same names as everybody else. You know, um, I'll tell you what I'd be looking for is somebody, you know, and, and again, I think Brian Dayball definitely deserves an opportunity. I, I'm friends with Brian, work with him. Uh, for for several years but in new york with a a first-time gm I, i would definitely err on the side of experience um especially in new york especially given the three head coaches in six years i would try to get somebody like a jim Caldwell, brian flores um a dan quinn guys that have done it doug peterson guys i mean jim Caldwell, doug peterson dan quinn they're beyond reproach one's won a super bowl one's been to a super bowl and you know as i said like I can just tell you in my career, it took me about 18 months to understand what it was like to be a GM. We won a ton of games early because Eric Bianchini did an incredible job on the field. Um, I wound up getting a few extensions and had a long run because we got a lot of big decisions right. But it just took me a while. I'm just being candid. And if I was an inexperienced GM in this market, I would try to get somebody that was experienced. But I think it, it matters.
2: What would would be your first order of business? What does Shane need to do first to ensure the highest level or probability of
5: success? So let's go back to yesterday's yesterday's game, QE. Everyone's Mm -hmm. saying what a great job that Zach Taylor did, and I work with Zach Taylor. He's a nice, nice man. But guess what? I would be – if I was Mike Brown and I own the Bengals, I'm meeting with him this morning and saying, I am looking for a strategist, not a play caller. And what you showed yesterday, Zach, is you're a play caller. What were the adjustments? Because Joe Burrow was sacked nine times, let alone the other times that he got hit. Mm -hmm. And what were your plans to react to that? And Mm -hmm. if Joe Burrow, he's never going to make it through a season, guys, if this continues, like let alone what they could be for the next five or 10 years. So I want a battlefield commander, commander who's thoughtful, who's a great listener, who's watching what's going on in the field and making adjustments And Coach Parcells used to talk about that all the time. You know, he always said, hey, we're looking for a strategist, not a play caller. Because anybody could design routes. Well, if your quarterback's on the back, it doesn't matter. So as great as Cincinnati's doing, if I was Cincinnati, I'd be massively concerned how often this guy was getting hit. So that's an example of what I'm looking for. I want a thoughtful leader who's a problem solver, who could look at the field and say, hey, this is what we need to fix. This is how we, and like Mike Shanahan, you know, he taught me something that I think about all the time, guys. He said, I was always slow to hire and fast to fire. I would take three to up to three days in an office one-on-one with any coach I was going to hire just to understand their football acumen. And it probably cost me some coaches over the years that had to take jobs some places else. But for me, I wanted to make sure I knew what they knew. And I think we, and I'm guilty of this as well, like running teams, like, hey, we got to get this guy. He's going to go there. I think we're all sort of guilty of like, hey, we got to get this done. Whereas take the extra day or two to make sure you understand them. Because, again, you want strategists and problem solvers. You want to know how do they teach You know, somebody who's 20 years old that has ADD. That's much more important than somebody that was six in the league in scoring.
2: how how difficult is it that transition? You know, he's got to hit the ground running. He's got to try to find, you know, a place to live or, you know, like figure out where he's going to get his haircut and all this and that, like where, like, like, what, like, what do you, what do you start? How do you organize your life immediately when you get it thrust into that position?
5: That's a great question. It's so hard. It is so, so hard. I was in the same building for five years and had zero idea what I was getting myself into. A lot of these guys are moving Mm -hmm. and you know, and if they have a family, um, worrying about that. And then next thing you know, again, it's nine o'clock at night you got 14 agents that have this coach or this player. And when you don't call them back, they're like, oh, you've changed. Cause you used to call me right back. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> now all of a sudden the marketplace where they're sending their players someplace else. And you know, what are you going to do with Daniel Jones? And he wants to see you. And you know, now you want to see his next specialist and make sure that they're talking to your doctor, but you're thinking about making a change in the medical department because you want to come in with a fresh start right? And you need an analytics department. And how are you qualified to bring in three people and have a great process to evaluate that? And are you qualified to hire the next mental health expert? And what's your process for that? And oh, by the way, tell me if you like Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter better. So that's the job. (laughs) And that's why so many people fail because you may be a great evaluator and have a great college guy report on Josh Allen. But while that's a meaningful part of the job, it's such a small part of it.
1: Again, um, we've got Mike Tannenbaum on the show, eight hundred nine 919 Let's go to our phone lines. Some of our listeners out there want to talk to you, Mike, uh, and, and Kiwi, in regard to what's going on with the Giants. Let's go to Dave. Dave, welcome in.
4: Anita, man, great to talk with you, Anita. I listen to your show religiously. And if I was a GM, I would draft Kiwanuka like three times over because he can play. <laughs> he's, he's so flexible. So I would draft him first time, then I would draft him another time, and I draft him a third time. So, so just to just to say that. But Mr. T, first of all, I've had a chance to to meet you uh, in Summit at a at a steak restaurant. You were so kind, so nice uh, to just sit and talk. So I just want to say that. But number two, I guess my quick question, besides all the compliments, is I feel like whatever hire the Giants are going to do on the head coach is really a two-person hire, and what I mean by that is, if they go with Brian Flores, I which I would love, or if they go with Dan Quinn, not not so much love, but okay, or if they go with Dable as the first time, my first question to any one of those guys is going to not just be their, you know, their role, but who they're going to bring in you know in the area of maybe expertise that they don't have so if i'm talking to the to a more of a defensive minded guy i want to hear right away how you're going to get this offense you know more up to date and if i'm talking to an offensive guy i'm going to make sure how you're going to keep this defense you know being competitive and so i want to know from mike if those are i, I can't imagine that those are not questions that would be being asked and, and just get your opinion on, like, as you look at the top candidates, like, do you see that they're going to look at, a, you know, do, do, you see their connection to other people on, on where there may be, where they may be weak is my question.
5: Yeah, no, I appreciate your comments and uh, nice meeting you as well. I, I would say this, you know, names are important. And I could just tell you about Dan Quinn, like Dan Quinn's track record at Atlanta was unbelievable. He hired Kyle Shanahan when Kyle Shanahan's Arrow stock was hugely down. It didn't work out in Cleveland. A lot of questions about him. And who did he hire? He hired Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. So if I was interviewing Dan Quinn right now, yeah, of course, I want to know who his names are, of who he'd bring in. But you know what I would really be focused in on? Tell me the process or how you're going to hire coaches. Because hopefully, as you have success, we're going to have to keep bringing in more and more and here's how bill belichick would answer bill belichick would say is i'm going to bring in a lot of young people and i'm gonna give them a chance to crush it or fail and then they're going to be developed and they're going to grow up here and i was on the 95 cleveland brown staff we had eight gms and six head coaches and by the way i was driving people to the airport with a law degree and thomas dimitroff was the groundskeeper but we got more and more responsibilities and opportunities so that's how bill belichick would answer that question But that's the question I would ask Brian Flores. I would ask Doug Peterson, not only who is your defensive coordinator, but what's your process? So when Mr. Defensive coordinator comes in and he has success and he moves on, how do we have sustained success? Mm. And where I give somebody like Dan Quinn credit is how did he identify Matt LaFleur? Matt LaFleur was an obscure assistant coach that was with Washington. And obviously now the rest is history guys off to a historically great start. So That's what I would want to know. And then, of course, one of the questions I'm going to ask Brian Flores is, Coach, you had an incredible winning season at Miami. Turned the team around. Why did they let you go? And I don't want to hear about them. I want to hear about you. What did you learn? And what would Brian Flores today tell Brian Flores three years ago to make him a better coach? And I would have a very rigorous process of having them meet with several different people in the organization, I would have a ranking system that was blind to one another and I would have feedback that was anonymous so we could get the best information not information that people thought that I wanted it here.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks.